everybody. This is pop culture critic John Tatey welcoming you back to Pop Mom, the smash hit podcast where my mom, <laughs> Bonnie Tatey, shares her view of pop culture, small town life, and the riddles of human nature. On this episode, Mom reviews the new Steve McQueen heist thriller, Widows, starring Viola Davis. Let's bring Mom in now. Hi, Mom. Hi, Johnny. We took a week off. I should uh, confess that was entirely my fault, so the listeners can blame me. Uh, but that's all. Just just a week off. We got to get back in before Thanksgiving. Give the folks a little something to listen to on their way uh, home or wherever they're going, right? That's right. Or maybe they'll be lucky enough to be staying home. Yeah, that's the way to do it. Anna and I and the kids are flying out uh, the day before Thanksgiving, which is probably when people will hear this or thereabouts. And we're coming back on Sunday, which I understand are like the two busiest travel days of the year. Yeah. So good picks. <laughs> you know, the thing is, I felt a little silly when I realized that, but also it's not like it's ever going to be easy with two toddlers so right. we're just kind of powering through it you know that's right and as i went through the airport just a few weeks ago and coming to visit you it is absolutely joyless <laughs> it really is <laughs> it really is it is and that is really the best word to describe it the people in chicago were absolutely horrible which i have never experienced before well, the people at the airport, you mean, right? The people at the airport. Yeah. I thought that's who we were talking about. Well, but you just said the people in Chicago, and I wanted to Not everybody, just the people that, no, at, at O'Hare. No, the workers at the airport. Yeah. There must have been 14 employees there who were doing absolutely nothing. And I don't know what they were looking for in the machine that looks at your stuff, but <laughs> Wow. Was that taken? It took me 50 minutes to get through. Five zero. Jeez. And they were rude. And they, when somebody finally complained, they said, there's not enough employees. And I thought, well, what the hell are those 12 people over there yeah. talking to each other? One of them was holding the gate open for employees to go back and forth. Important job. Really bad. And I have to tell you, my sister is a very non-confrontational person, as mm -hmm. we have said before. Yes. And so she kept saying to me, stop talking to them. Uh, I was the one that was complaining. <laughs> so she when you said somebody finally complained, you were referring to yourself? Yeah. <laughs> I see. I see. The plot thickens. Not that I'm surprised, but that was a little cagey of you. Well, I wasn't going to admit it, but but I will. You know, just everybody, if everybody did their job, they would need half of them. Uh, it's, it can seem that way sometimes. I mean, I don't really know what, what their job entails. It doesn't seem like a very fun job, but so we'll get where we're going at the airport. And if it's a bit of a bummer, well, I wouldn't want that job. So what are we going to do? Yeah, you're right. You're uh, right. But I wish you were coming here. I know. Well, I'll, we'll be there soon. We're going to figure that out. Okay. So we went to the movies for for this week's podcast, and we're going to get to that. But before we do, I understand uh, you wanted to discuss some finer points of movie etiquette. Right, which I think are pretty basic, and everyone knows what they are. But it was amazing to me that in this movie theater that I saw the movie in, mm -hmm. there were 10 of us, 
there was one person younger than me, a young man, and behind me, a couple rows back, was a couple, but I think it was actually a father and son. We'll just leave that. Um, okay. You know, and they were very chatty, which is fine. I don't care. Talk, talk, talk. That's fine. But once the movie starts, now, you know, now we're locked in here. Right, right. The older man had a thing where about every 30 seconds, he he did a thing like this. Now, listen, ready? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Did you hear that? <laughs> yes, I did. Okay, so he had a breathing issue, which I figured out, and I just said, I'm going to shut that out. That's fine. However, they continued talking, mm. and every character that came up, it's, it, there was a conclusion, like they had seen this movie. Now, whether they had seen it or not, I still don't want to hear their guesses. <laughs> like, you know what, what were they, saying? they were like guessing at their fate, or what were they talking about? At one point, there's a, a woman that is sleeping with somebody that's paying her. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And... Uh, he said, uh, "Oh, he knows. He knows everything. He knows. He knows everything that's going on." And that that just broke me. That just broke me. And I did have to turn around and say, "Will you please stop talking?" <laughs> and then I turned around. Yeah. And I thought, why, why did it have to be me? Yeah. Why couldn't that young man sitting in front of me? have said that. Why Why did it have to be me? Did it work? Yes. Oh, good. Because that's the, that's the double worst. When you, when you bite the bullet and say, oh, I'm going to say something. And then five minutes later, it starts up again. Yeah. Well, I, I had let it go a little too long. Yeah, because you just get angrier and angrier and you get distracted from the movie. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, it's a vicious circle. <laughs> but I do think... I do think the problem really isn't me. It's why don't you know to shut up? Why don't people know? And, and you know, here's the other part of it then. Now the movie's over, and I know they're not going to be the first ones out. Yeah. So now I have to give them a dirty look as I walk past them, too. Yeah. And I have to gauge what's nasty enough and what's disgusted enough. And, you know, it was very traumatic for me. Well, you could just avoid eye contact. Well, I didn't think of that. You didn't think of not looking at them? Yeah, because I wanted to see who they were. That's true. You got you to gotta get a glimpse. It's never quite what you expect. Never. You know, and then there was somebody else that was ripping their cup a little bit at a time, you know? Ah, Lord. So you hear this. Yeah, yeah. And then it stops. You know, so going to the movies, to me, is just not a good idea for, you know, I think I have uh, sensory issues. (laughs) Legitimate, you know? Uh, Yeah, I guess some people just don't care, but I'm with you. I I don't like the noise. Um, You know, it depends on the movie a little bit, I guess, how much I actually care, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, the problem with noise in my theater when I saw it is this is a heist film, but it's a relatively quiet one. It's There's not yeah. a lot of boom, explosions, and, and whatnot. That's not really the kind of movie it is. But apparently that was the kind of movie in the next theater. <laughs> do you know yeah. what I'm talking about? I do. I do. Mom, I can't tell you how many times it would be some tense 
scene. This is a pretty suspenseful movie at times, um, but it's a tense interpersonal moment on screen. And I'm hearing the thuds of booms and smash. Sounds like uh, every really trans yep. every Transformer movie was playing at once in the next theater over. It was just cacophonous. <laughs> it's it's crazy because now they've got us all jammed in. Yeah, you know, in living room sized rooms so, to, so they can get a more bang for their buck. Have you got those recliners though? Not in this theater. Oh no. Oh, I can't. No. I, I'm spoiled now. I can't do anything but the recliners. <laughs> I got to have it. Well, I was hopeful, but... Were they comfy seats at least? They were comfortable. They were comfortable. But I also want to tell you the snacks were terrible. The offerings were awful. <laughs> they had the crappy popcorn... It didn't even smell enticing, and they had healthy snacks, like like gummies that are made with real fruit juice. There were no milk duds. Really? It was terrible. What theater was, was this? In Concord. But now you have to really go to Hooksit to, to go to the good movies. Oh, really? Yeah, Hooksit's the giant one. Yeah, two giant ones. Oh, really? Two giant ones in yeah. Hooksit now? One is off where the target is, <laughs> and the other one is in the other direction. But okay. and that that has the IMAX and everything. Oh, IMAX! Wow. So this is this has got to be the entertainment hub of New Hampshire. Then hooks it now. You better believe it. Going to Concord is is like going to East Podunk. You know. Wow. Yeah, Concord is the capital of New Hampshire for those who are curious, but not a huge city. Um, no. Hooks it is, I don't know what's there except for the movie theater. Shooting range, I don't know. <laughs> you know your, right. your usual that's, New Hampshire entertainment. Right. <laughs> yeah, you can either watch a movie or shoot something. Yep. That's right. That's how you keep that's yourself right. occupied. Now, before we get to the movie itself, after having talked about the theater a great deal, you wanted to mention Joe Buck. I understand you read, did you read a book by him, his memoir? Yes, his memoir. I think you should read it. Okay. I don't know that you'll like him. Well, you like him, right? Yes. And I'm not sure I do still, even after I read that. Did you like him before I, you read it? You know, I used to like him because I used to think he was cute. But did you see him this week? He had on that grunge face. <laughs> I did not see him this week, no. <laughs> he just looks like somebody you would cross the street to avoid walking past. <laughs> I don't know what he does with his hair. Look, you know, he grows his facial hair, and it looks just terrible. He's very vain. He's very, very vain. And of course, had it quite an issue with hair plugs. Yes. He talks quite a lot about how people say he got his job because of his father, and he probably did. But he's never really grown into it in his head, I don't think. You think that's the impression you got from the book? That's the impression I got. But I'm hoping that you'll read it and tell me some happy side of it. When your sister was, uh, I will do that. Um, I didn't mean to step step on that. But when your sister was here, was it Joe Buck or Chris Collinsworth? She was, I think it was Chris Collinsworth she was complaining yeah. about, right? And people yeah. can't stand announcers and they always say, what did your sister say? He favors his team. That's right. He hates the Eagles, which is her her team. Chris Collinsworth hates the Eagles. And I always tell people they don't. 
you don't have the energy. And I, this is an, an insight I've gained from writing the football column off and on for the past five years or so, is when you're covering the whole league, you lose, you just don't have time to hate anybody. There's, right. you know, the players are always changing on all the teams and you find stories and the more you cover the league and the more you look into it, it it just becomes people and you follow stories right. and you follow people. And trust me, if you're listening to this, the announcers do not favor um, the other team. They don't hate your team. They're not thinking about that. They're thinking about telling a story and finding something to say for three right. hours of football. That's right. it. And they get a lot of that handed to them. They do get a lot of paper. Yeah handed to them with some facts and, and this and that. But also, what would be the point? This is their bread and butter. That's right. To, to tell the story of the green and white team or the purple and gold team. Right. Um, and they have to form relationships with members of those teams. Well, it sounds like you gained some insights from this Joe Buck book. It sounds like it was a, a an engrossing read. It was engrossing. He's very um, well-written, but he does talk an awful lot about his dad, who he loved very much, who had another family before he had yeah. Joe. Yeah. Uh, that was a source of uh, unhappiness in his life. Uh, but he did really, really, really love his dad. Who, if you don't know and you're listening, was a a towering figure in sports broadcasting, especially in St. Louis, was basically a a legend um, in the St. Louis area for broadcasting the Cardinals games for so many, many years. Right. Yeah, it sounds like a very human memoir. I'm looking forward to reading it. That's not your recommendation for this week, though, right? We got another one at the end? No, it's not. I do think it'll give you some insight um, just in another study of human nature, another slice of life. Mm-hmm. And what is the title of the book in case people want to check it out, Mom? It's called Bastard Son or something like that. You did read the book, right? <laughs> but it's... Lucky Bastard. My life, my dad... Lucky Bastard. <laughs> my life, my dad, and the things I'm not allowed to say on TV by Joe Buck. And he does say, he does tell some stories... Again, which is something that you sometimes don't find in these books. He does tell some stories. Yeah, you know, I read the Al Michaels book, another sports announcer. Uh, did you read that? We both read that a couple of years ago, right? And he just didn't... Oh, my God, yes. And I'm so impressed with who he had dinner with. Still. <laughs> or who he had to dinner at his house. Wow. Fascinating. Not a lot of great stories in that one. Mildly interesting. Not a lot of great stories mildly mildly <laughs> yes sorry he's a good announcer but he had nothing to tell me <laughs> but joe buck will tell you some stories some some uh people that had grudges against him or some boo-boos that he owned up to and uh, you'll enjoy it you'll enjoy it i don't know what you'll think of joe buck at the end but but, Johnny, just you tell me what you think of Joe Buck at the end. Okay, I will. Shall we uh, move along to our review? Yes. Okay. 
This week we are talking about Widows, director Steve McQueen's first feature since the Oscar-winning 12 Years a Slave. Widows is a fast-paced heist film in which Viola Davis leads a crew of women on a desperate quest to steal five million bucks from a compound in the heart of Chicago's South Side. These women may be amateurs, forced into thievery after their professional crook husbands are killed on a botched job, but their determination to give their life new direction carries them forward and carries the film. Here's a clip. The notebook says $5 million. That's exactly the amount of money Mulligan was accused of taking in commission kickbacks. So over here we have $2 million. 20 Tupperware boxes, each box has $100,000 in $100 bills. It weighs 44 pounds. Now over here we have $2 million. 40 Tupperware boxes, each box has $50,000 in $50 bills. It weighs 88 pounds. I feel like I'm in school. Tell me about it. We gotta start thinking like professionals. We're in business together. There's not gonna be some cozy reunion. After this job, we're done. We have three days to look and move like a team of men. The best thing we have going for us is being who we are. Why? Because no one thinks we have the balls to pull this off. Widows is in theaters nationwide. Mom, did these widows win your heart? No. <laughs> no, did they win yours? They did indeed. Yes, I enjoyed this oh, film quite Johnny. a bit. No. I, I did. No, no, no. No. This this was so horrible. Oh, I'm just so disappointed that you liked it. I couldn't believe that you wanted to see it. <laughs> And then even after I saw it, I tried to convince you otherwise. Yes, I know. you. I feel like you didn't want to go to the movies this week. I felt like we needed to uh, do something a little different. But you spent every day leading up to going to see it, begging me not to do this one. That's not true. Well, every day you were saying, oh, are you really going to go to the movies? You made it about me. You were like, oh, well, you, with, I, us, with well, your little children. I had just been out there. I had just been out there to see what a... What a rigorous schedule you have. I was, I was, well, yeah. anyway, we Rigor. went to the movies. That's, def that's definitely the adjective I would apply to my schedule. Rigorous. Yeah. Well, I mean, we didn't even get a chance to play any Jackbox. <laughs> no, I am busy, but my life does not feel rigorous at all right now. It's a little helter skelter, but it is full. I'll, I'll cop to that. Tell me why you didn't care for the film, and then I'll tell you why I enjoyed it quite a bit. Okay. I had a problem with... Uh, I, I thought it was a bit jiggly as to who you were supposed to be mm. allying yourself with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And finally, I realized it was Viola Davis's character. Right. That she was going to be the head guy. Right. I just found most of this uh, absolutely ludicrous. The premise is the husbands are killed and now Viola Davis's character is being pressured to repay a debt That's of right. millions of dollars. That's right. Which she has no hope of coming up with. But she finds a book or she's given clues to find a book mm -hmm. that has whatever the next heist was that her husband and his gang were going to do. Right. Now, one, I have so many problems right at the get-go, <laughs> right at the get-go, that people like this don't live their lives 
just la-di-da. I go to the supermarket. People that live a life devoted to crime have some more securities around them, I hope, <laughs> than, than this poor slob did. So the poor, the poor slob you're referring to is Liam Neeson, right? That right. Viola Davis's husband... He said, right. you feel that he, he's not qualified to be the master thief that he is. Is that what you're saying? Right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, you, you know, I don't know how true to life this movie was supposed to be, but okay. Well, let me just tell you, this movie is a book I've read about a million times. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Are we going to, are we going to tell the secret? No, we're not going to, no, there's a twist. A twist that I think you can discern from the beginning. I don't think it was a shocking twist, but no, we shouldn't reveal the twist, I don't think. Okay. Well, to me, this was just a very, um, and I've used this term before, but this to me was a very self-indulgent effort <laughs> to tell a story that's been told many times, and there were very few surprises, and I thought it was rather glib in spots. I mean, let me tell you, yeah. if I have to go out and buy a Glock... I'm going to have a lot of trouble, I think, than well, just showing up at a gun show and saying, eh, I'll take three of those. I could do it at the bakery, but I don't think I could do it at a, at a gun show. Well, maybe you couldn't, but this, so the Elizabeth Debicki character is the one um, who undertakes this, and the film indicates that she has, you know, she's not a master thief, uh, like all of the widows, they're they're not. This isn't their main job. But the Elizabeth Debicki character, who sort of becomes the number two of this little crew that Viola Davis puts together, she has some experience with the underworld. It's indicated that her uh, mother was uh, a prostitute, and I, so I think she knows how to navigate. She knows where to get a gun, and she has a pretty clever tactic to acquire one without having to get her ID checked or what have you. And, and I can't tell you what a comfort that is to me. <laughs> you know, Mom, it's a, it's a problem. These, you know, and the, the movie's set in Chicago, which is one reason that I, I really... I know, and I'm never coming there again. <laughs> and all you have to do is go over the state border, and it's just, that's where all these guns come in from, from Indiana. So it was, you know, again, the movie wasn't really looking to be true to life, but it it nodded at true issues, and this was one of them. So I think it can be that easy to get a gun. And yet it takes me 50 minutes to go through security at O'Hare <laughs> Airport. Well, she didn't go to O'Hare Airport to get the guns. You know, I'm not sure I would have gotten into bed with all these women in this, in this mixture because none of them seemed to really trust each other. Well, they were kind of blackmailed into it. But, you know, is he really going to, is he really, is the guy, the family that got screwed out of their money, are they really going to go and say, hey, you have a month to get the money to me? <laughs> I think either they're going to show up and kill everybody or not. I don't know. It seemed dumb to me. Yeah. She, Viola Davis has a month to get this uh these millions of dollars but that's just a classic heist film setup well you better tell me some things you liked about this because now i'm getting irritated okay well look it's a heist film and that is a very specific form and 
So the interesting thing when you're watching a genre film is to see how the filmmakers followed the patterns of the genre. Now, one, I mean, this movie is right up front about its major variation on the theme. Widows is the title of the film. So we're going to see this team of of women and women who it's, it's not their gig, right? They've been thrust into right. this this heist. That's the first interesting twist. But really, I'm going to give you a, an example of why critics like Steve McQueen and why I found this movie really spellbinding from start to finish is every shot, every scene is an interesting choice. And I want to talk about this one scene, Colin Farrell's character. He's running for alderman. He's involved in all this, all the heist. I want, I mean, the plot is pretty intricate, so I won't get too deep into it. But Colin Farrell plays this um, alderman character. He's from a Chicago political family, and he's kind of a sleaze. Not kind of. He, he is a sleaze, right? He is, yeah. And we see him at this uh, event where he's featuring his family's MWOW program, Minority Women something. But it's like a minority women business uh, fund that he started up. Um, and he has an event for it and he's accosted by a reporter and he has to scurry off and go home. And the sh and the scene of him going home is shot entirely from the exterior of the car with no cuts. And we just hear Colin Farrell rant as he's driven from this empty lot in a fairly rundown neighborhood to his house and there's not a single cut and so you look at that and think well why did they shoot this exterior and why are there no cuts why is that important well because what it shows in this scene is that he's driving from this rundown area to his beautiful house and you right. see the whole ride mom it only takes a couple minutes and you and i i think our last podcast right you were talking about chicago and you were talking about how you can walk from neighborhood to neighborhood and, and the city can transform and get a different feel very quickly right yeah. which is yeah. one of the fun things about the city and this scene solely because of the creative way he chose to shoot it shows the darker side of that quality of the city that yes the neighborhoods do change and you can have someone ensconced in a very high class um, setting mere blocks from people who are really struggling to get by right yeah. it's a class yeah. divide it's a racial divide and it's amazing how close these two things could be and so striking for me to watch as this strange idiosyncratic shooting choice really says something about the city says something about america and we're hearing colin farrell's rant the whole time we're advancing the story we're learning more about him and his attitude it's just using every part of the buffalo as far as i'm concerned and really um, making the most of the screen time to to say something of substance while we're enjoying this yes formulaic as heist films are uh, adventure, we're also getting some perspective on the state of our society. And the whole time, I couldn't look away. The emotional, Viola Davis's performance has an emotional reality to it. Um, the very last scene of her, I'm not spoiling anything. Um, I mean, they they survive. I guess I'm spoiling that. But the very last scene yeah. of, um, you know, Viola Davis's character meeting up again with Elizabeth Dippicki's character and... 
you can tell Viola Davis, who lost her son, that's part of her backstory, she needs a child, yeah. and she's going to take this woman under her wing. And I thought it was such a well-earned moment from the authentic interactions that these two characters had had throughout the film. I just found it artful and fun and thoughtful. Well, I, I, I have to agree about Viola Davis. What a performance. What a... Her emotions... Yeah are crystal clear yeah. and she, honest. And not only that, Mom, like she commands the screen. She commands your oh, attention yeah. somehow with yeah. her gaze, you know? <laughs> Most definitely. It makes me want to go back and, and uh, see some of her other work. Yeah, yeah. I did love a scene, huh, very, very difficult to talk about this without ruining certain things for yeah. people, but there's a scene... <laughs> that just absolutely broke my heart where I would have reacted mm -hmm. in a violent way, I think. And she swallowed it. And it took every ounce of her being, it looked like, to me to do that. But it was the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. How about Robert Duvall? <laughs> I think this is the... <laughs> this is the this is the one character he can play now that just bitter I mean I'm sure he can play a wide range of characters but he seems to specialize in just these bitter beat up old men wow really and I'm sure they say to him Robert please just come in fresh from bed don't, <laughs> don't shower please <laughs> oh, they made him look awful yeah and you know there was this one scene where um he he's talking to his son who he treats like just garbage. Um, yeah. He's an awful, awful old man. Um, and th he has one line that's basically just fuck, fucking fuck, fuck. And, and usually I thought of Jenna when he was saying it. <laughs> that's that's my sister for people who don't know. I'm sure she's flattered by that comparison. Um, but, you know, usually when I encounter something like that, I I think uh, they just ran out of words. Like, that's just crappy. You see that yeah, a lot when it. writers are trying to add some edge and they just put a lot of F-bombs in. But I'll tell you what, it made sense for this character. And Robert Duvall's delivery made it <laughs> made it work. Well, it made you realize that's all he is. Yeah, it. Uh, that's right. It was actually a pretty important moment for the character that he, there's no substance to him. There's just bitterness and within that emptiness. That's right. As much as you're looking at him to be the... Uh... What is he? The consigliere or something? <laughs> Consigliere. Oh my yeah, that's right. It ain't there. It just isn't there. Right, right. We've come a long way. Yeah. Uh, I had to look at him twice to recognize him. To realize him. it was him. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I can believe that. But he did. He, it was a great cast. Yeah. Now, uh, as often happens when we do the review, Mom, and you're not as convinced as I am, it sounds like maybe... It wasn't all bad if we're talking when we're talking through it. Well, you know, you bring to it uh, the finesse. <laughs> you know, I'm sort of the pie in the face, and you're the you're the whipped cream and the cherry and the chocolate sprinkles. <laughs> okay. Wow, interesting metaphor. I'm going to have to unpack that one a little bit. Well, you know, it is Thanksgiving, so I'm thinking you got of pie. food on the mind. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I just think that if you, I'm going to give one more example of just a small detail 
I could I could give some big details too, but I want to give some small details to indicate the level of thought that McQueen puts into his filmmaking. We talked about this Elizabeth Debicki character who, yeah. um, after her husband dies, she has to become an escort essentially, and she starts up this. Well, um, no, wait, wait. Nobody has to become an escort. Well, that's the path that she takes, encouraged by her mother, right? Sally Struthers. Uh, yeah. In any case, there's this scene where Elizabeth Debicki's character is she's out on her first quote unquote date and the guy is kind of talking her through it, trying to put her at ease. And it's a it's a nerve wracking moment. And at the end of that scene, we cut to a living room scene. But for the first thing we actually see is this cartoon on the TV where a girl is sliding down this vortex tunnel, totally disoriented, no end in sight. And that cut, we go from Elizabeth Debicki to this picture of a girl sliding down a vortex, disoriented. And it's really, it's such a nice transition because that picture yeah. is bringing to life the internal feeling of Elizabeth Debicki at the end of the previous scene. Right. So right. it's a moment that lasts a second. And yet it really had an impact on me. I mean, Debicki's performance in the scene was great, but it solidified that feeling of, oh, she doesn't know which way is up. She doesn't know what the parameters of this way of life are. And right. she um, it was just a great detail. And the film film is filled with that there is no moment where thought didn't go into what is on the frame and i just i love to watch a movie like that especially if it's fun and really breezy the direction is very brisk um there's not a lot of um silence or slow pace setting here it really moves because a lot of plot to get through frankly i was entertained and i was as a lover of film fascinated the whole time too hmm. Well, I was happy that everybody that got killed, that should have been killed. <laughs> That's right. You see what I mean? Yeah. You see what I mean? You're about the finesse. I'm about the nuts and bolts. Well, we're a good team. All right, Mom. What is your grade for Widows? <sighs> well, I'm going to give it. I'm going to give it a C plus. Okay. The dreaded C plus, the epitome of mediocrity. <laughs> well, it's better than an F. Yes, it is. I think I brought the grade up a little bit, right? Did you I did. convince you to bring it up a little bit? Good. You did. You know, the thing is that after uh, after we talk about it, then I think, well, I, I didn't really appreciate that part. Now I wish I could go back. I never would pay money to see it again but i'd watch it again <laughs> okay. well that's my job as a critic i feel is to that's right bring it alive for a little bit so i'm glad that could happen all right what's your recommendation this week mom my re i have two recommendations mm -hmm. i read a graphic adaptation of anne frank i very mm -hmm. much enjoyed it the diary of anne frank yeah and it was uh, sanctioned by the Anne Frank, whatever that is, society, or mm -hmm. there's a something. And that their job is to promote her story. And this was um, another way to do it. It, it got into some things that were uh, not published in her diary, such as her mental state and a bit of her sexuality 
things, mm. but not not overly so. So it was very enjoyable. Not not enjoyable. I yeah, don't mean that. I know. I know what you mean. It was edifying. My, yes, there. That's better. Whew, I should look up these words in a thesaurus before we start. <laughs> My real recommendation is for the day after Thanksgiving, the series Dogs on Netflix. It's a six-episode series of stories about dogs and their different lifestyles. I have two left. I've enjoyed the ones I've seen so far very much. Dogs is just called. I haven't heard about it's this. It's just called Dogs. And you recommend this for the day after Thanksgiving. Why is that? Because it's a good day. It's a good couch leftover sandwich. I don't feel like doing anything but shopping online kind of show. Mm. You know what I'd love even more? Huh. Cats. I love cats, too, but they're not quite as versatile. <laughs> no, I suppose they're, not. You know, like one, that one whole episode is about a dog that goes out fishing with his owner in Italy. Another one is a, an episode about a dog that is uh, sort of smuggled out of Syria to his owner who had to flee the country in Germany. He's in Germany now. Wow. And... So it's very interesting. It's not your typical, you know, slobbering dog with a bone type thing. It's Dogs on Netflix. That is Mom's recommendation this week. And uh, a sub-recommendation is the graphic novel adaptation of The Diary of Anne Frank. Uh, do you have the title of that at hand, Mom? No, I don't. Do you need me to look it up? Anne Frank's Diary, the graphic adaptation. Wow. Okay. I'm glad I looked that up. Yeah, we couldn't have figured <laughs> no, that one out ourselves yeah. for all the tea in China. It is it is very, very well done. Uh, and a very happy Thanksgiving. <sighs> yeah, okay. <laughs> As I was saying... A very happy Thanksgiving to all of our listeners. That'll do it for this week's Pop Mom. Mom and I will be back next week to talk about more <laughs> pop culture. <laughs> what should we talk about, Mom? Something interesting. <laughs> okay, something interesting. Okay. <laughs> we love you. Mom and I will talk to you again next week. Bye for now, Mom. Bye, Johnny. I love you. Love you, too. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. You